Norma, 37 years old. I lived in a department bordering Nicaragua in a livestock and agricultural area. The schools there are very poor. Before, the schools did not ask the parents for much, but now they ask that the children go to school in uniforms and with shoes, that you pay tuition, everything. Now a public school is almost like a private school. If you are poor, you do not have enough money to send your children to school. There's a health centre, but medicines are very scarce. The closest hospital is in the department's capital, but the service is poor. Since I live near Nicaragua, I would go to the clinic on the other side of the border. With my youngest son, I had a high-risk pregnancy. Since the healthcare was so poor, when I had to give birth to him, I was alone in my house. I could no longer bear the pain, but I braced myself and gave birth to him alone. There used to be a stimulus for single mothers, a solidarity payment. I always signed up, but never had the opportunity to receive any support for my children. Most of the country is in this situation. Also, there is no security in Honduras. I worked in the field, in tomato, onion, sweet pepper and jalapeno pepper plantations. There is no stable work in Honduras, only in the harvest season, when the farm owners might grow corn or beans. It's hard to work long hours in the sun. We started at 5 in the morning and finished at 4 or 5 in the afternoon. On one occasion, I worked in the melon fields in Choluteca. There I would get up at 1 in the morning. At 2, the bus arrived because we travelled for about 2 hours to be work at 5. We worked hourly, cleaning the melon plants. Sometimes we'd come back at 6 or 7 at night. I normally weigh about 120 pounds, but during that time I weighed like 80 pounds. I was skin in bones because Choluteca is very hot. It's very hot there and working in the fields is not for everyone. I only made 93 lempiras a day, but sometimes necessity forces you to accept things. You can earn 1,800 lempiras a month working as a cleaner in a house. For me, a mother of four children, that was not enough. I knocked on doors looking for washing and ironing work. I've suffered a lot. I even prostituted myself to feed my children. It is tough, but I did not know what to do anymore. I could only give my children some cooked rice because I had nothing left to give them. In the afternoons I was waiting for them to come home from school and had nothing to give them. I cried. A friend said to me, let us go to the border, let us do this. I had never sold sex before. Since I lived on the Nicaraguan border I went over to the truck drivers. I suffered a lot of domestic violence. My partner was very aggressive, violent. He hit me. He was abusing me. When I did not want to sleep with him, he took me by force. He's a gang member. When I first met him, he wasn't like that. But in the gang, he got into alcohol and drugs and became more violent. Gang members are aggressive. They have no heart. I reported him, but sometimes they took him away one day and the next morning he'd be back. Are they waiting for you to get killed? I don't know. On one occasion he tried to kill me with scissors and I stabbed him with an ice pick, putting it halfway in his hand. I reported him but they did not listen to me. Instead of taking him away, they locked me up for 24 hours. It's very common that they take the woman and not the man away. When I decided to come to Mexico, he wanted to kill me and he attacked me with a knife. 
He was very drunk and I was able to defend myself a little. I still have scars. If I'm alive, it's because God is great. So when this happened, instead of going to the authorities, I decided it was better to leave Honduras. I was going to bring my youngest children, but I could not get them out of the country. They stayed with their grandmother. It was a quick decision. I came here without money, taking rides and walking. It's very hard to enter Mexico. Every time I saw a white car, I ran into the woods. I endured hunger and thirst because people in southern Mexico do not give you water. I went to houses to ask for water and they denied it to me. Out of here, they told me, like a dog. In El Sabo, no one lets you board a bus or gives you a ride. I walked 57 kilometers to reach a shelter in Tenosique. This migrant shelter is called La Sedenta y Dos, in honor of the migrants who were killed. If you go inside, you will see the names of those who were killed. It hurt my heart to see this. I am grateful to all the shelters, because the people there do not have to take care of us. Thanks to them, there is a place to sleep. It doesn't matter that the food is awful. The important thing is that you do not starve. Thousands of migrants pass through Tenosique. Some guys from my hometown told me that my ex-partner realised where I am and that he was on his way. So as desperate and as afraid as I was, I grabbed the train. I had never been on a train and sometimes I was the only woman. On the train journey, I teamed up with a new friend from Guatemala in Lecheria. He was a man dressed as a woman. I got along with her very well. Sometimes such people are more sincere than a woman. She really liked her drinks and one night in Lecheria, I could not find her. At night, I went to look for her at the train tracks to continue to Celaya. I got into the middle of the train station. Several carriages were parked there. Suddenly, two men got out from the carriages and one of them grabbed me. They wanted to rape me. It was the saddest moment of my life. I was crying. I told them not to hurt me and that I was pregnant so they wouldn't rape me. They were huge. But when the guards turned on the lights, the men released me. Then I found my friend all drunk. We stayed on the road and reached Celaya and from Celaya we went to Irapuato. And there they almost killed her. She had a phone in about 250 pesos. Since she is a man, she resisted being robbed. They beat her up and left her almost dead. At night I found her all bruised under a bridge. We were there for about six days until she recovered. When the train left she grabbed it but I did not manage to get on. The train dragged me for about a hundred metres. I could feel the air of the passing train pull me in. I only had a few bruises from when I fell. It was very hard for me to lose my friend. You grow close to people and then you don't see them anymore. In Guadalajara, I met another couple from Central America with their daughter. I joined them and went up to the border. I first went to Puerto Vallarta. There I met some people from Honduras. They had already worked for the Mafia in that city. I was offered work, giving them the heads up if the Navy or the state and federal police were nearby. Out of necessity, I accepted, and they took me in for a few days to teach me the ropes. Then I felt a little cagey. I couldn't stand it, because I could find no way in or out. I was practically living on the street, eating on the street, trying to bathe on the street. It scared me a little too, so I decided I had to better get out of there. I tried to cross the border to the United States, but I saw that it was very difficult. I was afraid for my life, that something would happen to me. I wasn't so scared that the migration would grab me, but that something else would happen to me. Because at those border points, they sometimes kidnap people. On the way to Texas, one of my brothers was kidnapped. He tried to make it to the other side without a smuggler or something like that. But we do not have anyone's help, only God's. 
He flung himself over to the other side of the border and was seized by a group of kidnappers. When they saw that he had no money or relatives in the United States who could pay a ransom, they released him after ten days. They went to leave him in the mountains, his hands and feet tied. They were going to kill him, but they left him alive. I went to Mexicali, but I never found a job there. I slept on the street. I could not stand the heat or the hunger. Then there was a group on its way back and I decided to go with them to Guadalajara. I tried on the train and got to Los Mochis in Sinaloa. Only men were on the train. I tried to stay by myself because I was alone. I was so tired and that was when I got raped. When I arrived in Guadalajara, I was not going to say anything. I was going to keep quiet. I was desperate. I looked for migration to turn myself in and leave, but that day migration was closed. So I came to the shelter and when I was interviewed, I could not hold back the tears and I had to say I'd been raped. I was taken to the hospital and given treatment to prevent pregnancy and infection. I was also given a rapid HIV test and an antiretroviral. It was very hard. I do not want to return to Honduras. The country needs jobs and a minimum wage to support your family. In San Pedro Sula, there are the maquilas, but you need to have studied to work there. I barely passed sixth grade and consider myself illiterate. Also, they ask you for many papers. The criminal record certificate alone costs 300 lempiras. Where am I going to get this from? 300 lempiras for me is like gold. I would like the gang violence to stop and the domestic violence to end. Most men in Honduras there are machos. They like hitting women and will not wash a plate. I want all this to change. We Hondurans call our president Juan Robando. If he was not there, the country would not be upside down. There would be no need to leave Honduras and risk your life. At the beginning, my idea was to go to the United States, but I do not want to anymore. What am I going to do without anyone helping me out? Now that it is so difficult, I will not get asylum there. When I arrived in Tenosique, I was told that I had the possibility to apply for asylum, and I did. I waited five months, but was never notified about the decision. When I had to leave Tenosique, I dropped the case, and the Comar receipt application has now expired. But I want to stay in Mexico and bring my family here. I do crafts and would be happy to do that here. What I would like is for Donald Trump to be removed. There are people who understand. There are others who do not understand. If that man were not like he is, or if Mexican migration did not hunt her so much, there would be much less risk for migrants. You are fleeing from crime, from everything, and come here with fear that migration will grab you. If you come onto the train and there are checkpoints, you need to jump and run somewhere else. You run and don't know where to run to. You don't know if you will fall into an abyss. You don't know if you're going to be bitten by an animal. You do not know if you'll be run over by a car. That means losing your life. I think the United States and Mexico are at fault because if they were not so hard on the migrants, none of this would happen. Yeah.